BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Murray Hill hostess with the most, this Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And what is going on, people? What is going on? Listen, I don't get, I don't often get too, like, serious on this podcast. You know, like, sometimes we delve into, like, serious stories or whatnot. But what's happening in the world right now is, like, has really affected my heart, um, and, you know, I kind of try to uh, stray away from politics on the podcast or like the news cycle on the podcast. But what happened to these Asian women last week was horrific. And I it would not be I wouldn't be authentically me if I didn't like just, you know, mention it and mention that we need to protect our Asian American Pacific Island brothers and sisters. We need to protect our trans brothers and sisters. We need to protect our black and brown and indigenous brothers and sisters. Like, I don't understand that, how we got here. I mean, I do, but like, during this entire pandemic, we've been like, you know, the thing that I keep preaching about this is that we have learned to take care of one another through this pandemic. We've learned to like count on our neighbors through this. And then like, then there's this BS that's happening. I, I don't know, but I needed to mention it and I just needed it to get it off my chest for a second and we'll move on. But I really want to honor these women and honor our Asian American and Pacific Islander brothers and sisters today on this podcast because, like I said, it just... It just needs to be said, and we we need to we need to protect everybody, but especially them right now, um, because shit is crazy. So moving right along, um, you know, I just needed to get that off my chest, and we're and we're going and we're moving, y'all. Um, it's a great day here on the pod. It's raining here in New York, but you know things are good. Um, the podcast network is going good. Your girl Munoz is doing the most on the Instagrams and whatnot, and you know life is life. In my 120 square feet of Times Square space is is good. I've been cooking more than ever. I've been feeding my soul more than ever. I've been taking I've been taking care of myself, my soul, my mind, my body better than ever these days. And I feel like I'm in a good place. News news cycle aside, you know, because 
Uh, you know what I mean, y'all? You know what I mean? And I'm just going to get to the getting on because I'm really, really excited for today's guest because much like me, this lady lays down the law when she needs to and she can throw down in the kitchen. In your mouth, listeners, please help me welcome the one, the only, from my butch kitchen. Well, not my butch kitchen, her butch kitchen <laughs> itself. Sarah Olson, say hi. Hey, everyone. I am so excited to be here today. I'm so excited to have you, and I can't wait to start. And you know what? I am, I know this pod started on a serious note, but I really just, you know, we just have to. I think, I hope you would agree that we just have to like take care of each other more. And I don't understand why that concept is, is beyond some people. I, I have been asking myself that question. And again, we won't get into the, the politics of it, but yeah. you know, what happened to kindness? What happened to generosity? And what happened to looking out for one another? You know, everyone's so scared to step out of that box. And I think that's what's so important about, you know, the way that you're presenting things. It's, you know, giving people the power to step out of the box. Yeah, you have, in your mouth listeners, I have, Sarah has, you out there have the power to make change. I am a living testament of that in itself with the work that I do for kids over Christmas and some other stuff I do throughout the year. You can make a difference out there, right? And you can stop you know, like, listen, don't get in anybody's way if they seem crazy. That's not what I'm saying. But like, you know, you can make change. You can be like, hey, 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 no, 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 we're not doing that. Right? And, and keep it trucking. Oh, and even little things as just smiling at somebody and saying hello. Yes. It can start with just a hello. Hello. Yes, Sarah. Yes. Preach the good word. Um, you know what? One thing that I learned a long time ago is someone taught me to see people beyond their service. And that really resonated with me because I was already kind of doing that. But like, you know, you get into a taxi cab and you're like, take me downtown. And you're not like, well, that's a person, right? Hey, how are you? Can you take me to such and such a place? Or you go to Starbucks. I need a grande such and such and such and such. No. Hey, how are you today? Oh my God. Can I please have, right? And that, that response from people especially like when I do it and like people like take a double take meaning being like, oh, wait, are you really asking me how I am? Yeah. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just being human. It really is. It really is. And thank you for for coming down that road with me for two minutes, right? Um, In your mouth, listeners, if you don't know Sarah, and you probably do already if you're on the TikToks because she is, and if I may use this term that I learned from Courtney Rada last week, a a big celesbian. (laughs) (laughs) That's a new one for me, but I'll take it. I love it. I told her, put it on a shirt, a celesbian. Uh, Sarah's fascination with cooking started when she was just four years old. And almost 40 years later, the magic of food and the desire to educate and entertain is still very much alive. By occupation and education, Sarah is a business consultant who spends her days working with women and minority-owned businesses, helping them grow and become economically self-sufficient. Yes. The mornings, nights, and weekends are dedicated to food and family, which is the heart behind my butch kitchen, which is her 
brand, right? But before we get anywhere, right, because we've already been deep down a road here, Sarah, I need to wish you happy National Chocolate Covered Raisins Day. (laughs) How did they get a day? (laughs) You tell me, girl. (laughs) I don't know. Raisins are not an ingredient that are allowed in my house. Oh, really? Not nature's candy? No, no. Like strawberries, yes. You know, drive me some bananas, yes. But raisins, no. I just cannot get down with raisins. Not even a catch some rays, catch some rays, catch some raisinets. (laughs) No, not my jam. My mom would totally get down with them, but me, no. Raisins aren't my thing. I'll get down with the chocolate, though. All right. What about a currant? I can get down with the current. But isn't a current a raisin? Um, they are, it's, it's a different type. There's an added sweetness that to me conquers the uh, texture issues with that dried out lump of coal. <laughs> Not a dried out lump of coal. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Like I love a golden raisin, you know, like, and, and you like soak them in tequila like overnight. So now, now you're talking my language. That's something I've never done, but it is something that I could see myself doing. All right. I may need you to dedicate like 15 seconds of your TikTok to soaking some uh, tequila raisins just for yours truly and this podcast. Absolutely. It'll be, it'll be an in-your-mouth raisin. Yeah, yeah. Hello. I put it in my mouth, honey. I put, okay. I put much worse up in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> But um, listen, we are off to the races today. We are. A shot out of a cannon. Um, but listen, no, because listen, tequila soaked raisins. Let's just go down this road for a second. Entertain me. You know, they're very versatile, like your hostess with the Moses here. You know, you could throw them like on a dish, like maybe like some sort of fish or scallop dish, like and, and work it in with the savory because you have a little bit, bit of sour sweet. Or maybe you could throw them like in a cookie or something and have that like sour sweet like alcoholy you know we'll 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 see what what my uh, maniacal brain can do with it right well listen you you do you do all the things up in the kitchen right so i i would trust you that you can it's it's a versatile thing and you may not be here for national chocolate covered raisin day but you know what i'm i'm on the fence with it i kind of like a a, a chocolate covered raisin or a you know what last week was um uh, St. Patrick's Day, and I had Irish soda bread. And unbeknownst to me, I don't really love Irish soda bread. And But there were raisins in it, and I was like, this should be good because there's raisins in it, but it wasn't very good to me. Huh. I, <laughs> I, and that's bizarre. I love Irish soda bread, especially with some fresh butter. It was the caraway, I think. That'll that'll do it. I mean, it's the, caraway is definitely one of those those um, flavors a, that either you like or you don't. Well, I do like it just in other venues, uh, like huh. other vehicles. I feel like it was like the caraway and like the actual like soda bread itself, which was kind of sweet and not sweet. And then the raisins. I was like, this bread is trying to be like the most extra drag queen I've ever met. Like there's too much <laughs> happening. <laughs> Uh, it's the backstage at a drag show. It really, it really is just doing the most till it gets out on stage. But you know what? 
no matter what you celebrate out there, apparently today is National Chocolate Cover Day. And if this is what you're celebrating, we accept you here. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we don't uh, discriminate. And Sarah, did you know that in 1971, in Defiance of the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service, a federal judge grants U.S. citizenship to a 24-year-old gay man from Cuba, ruling that an applicant's homosexuality cannot, in itself, bar a person from becoming a citizen. That is amazing. Right? You know, back in the, back in the 70s when there was carte blanche to, you know, do these injustices, Having a landmark ruling like that, I mean, it, it changes the face. It, it really does. And going back to our original conversation about humanity and kindness and like see, just seeing people as people, right? This Absolutely. Is, this kind of brings us full circle. And I love that this was um, this moment in gay history today. I, I love these little tidbits. And um, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things uh, that I found out about Sarah in Your Mouth Listeners when I approached her uh, about being on the podcast, I usually send uh, people I'm pursuing as guests an episode or two and, and some information. And Sarah just comes in uh, in the DMs and and it's like, oh, I know who you are already. I, I'm a subscriber, which warmed the cockles of my heart. It really, really did. Uh, because, you know, y'all out there, sometimes you like to slide in my DMs. Most, more often than not, you're quiet. Um, and and it's just, it was just a beautiful moment. And I had to say, th- I, I had to say live on air that thank you so much because it really meant a lot to me. Absolutely. And I love how you split up and you do give the gay history and you do give the, you highlight one of the foods, you know, it's, it's a, it's a well-rounded thing. And I love the emphasis on queer culture, you know, queer culture, queer history is often overlooked. Yeah. And we don't have a space for ourselves like this. And so when I, and the listeners, I'm sure, are tired of me squawking about this. But, you know, when I set out solo to do this, I was like, this is going to be big, gay, campy, fun, whatever. And it kind of morphed and grew into this space where we share our stories. You sh- you get to share your stories and shine and show the world a different sector of the community that's that's beautiful and kind of, you know, tailoring how how we eat and how we think about food, you know, like there isn't a space that. And so to be at the helm of this ship, you know, is really, really special to me. It is. And you, you giving so many other people voices, you know, like, like myself, this is an opportunity that I could have never expected a couple months ago. So it's, it's, it's super exciting for me and, and to be visible, you know, it, it's huge. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, let's talk about it. You are more than visible, honey. <laughs> you are the <laughs> most visible these days. And I live for my butch kitchen. Actually, shout out to my gay bartender who was like, have you discovered my butch kitchen? If you haven't discovered my gay bartender, Sarah, um, I need to connect you to yes, because absolutely. you two are TikTok stars and um, some of the best, some of my favorite content to watch as I scroll through um, in the evening. But I want to start at the very beginning and talk about this um, fascination with cooking at just four years old. Tell me about that. Yeah, so my mom is a tremendous cook. I grew up in um, on a farm. My parents are farmers to this day, uh, but my mom is a phenomenal cook. And I'm I need to ask her, but 
she was, uh, she used to teach some cooking classes and she was teaching a cooking class in town. And we, of course, didn't have babysitters. So I went with her. I was four years old. And I remember mom making cream puffs and pastry cream. And being in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, that was such a decadent, luxurious, you know, almost exotic, you know, type of dessert. And to watch my mom command that room with her knowledge, it was, it was phenomenal, you know, and it just, I just sat there in awe and I saw my mom in a new way and it was amazing. And so it just kept going. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, um, we talk a lot on this podcast, as you, as you well know, um, about our parents' influence on us and like through coming out and through cooking and watching and just watching that magic happen in the kitchen. For those of us who um, had parents that cook uh, and even those of us who didn't have parents that cook because that's a whole nother side being like, oh, they couldn't cook. But like, I kind of had to navigate this myself and found found a different love differently. Um, why do you think it is that that food like that with parents that cook have such an impression on us at such a young age? You know, to me, it's the bringing together of all the senses there. You know, there's a visual aspect, you know, what it looks like in your plate. There's smells, you know, derived memories. And, you know, when you walk into a house where Thanksgiving dinner is being made or when you walk in and somebody's made cinnamon rolls, it automatically takes you to a place. And usually, more often than not, those are happy memories. So it just creates this visceral reaction inside of you and it makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah. Like I went to visit my mom last week for St. Patty's Day and uh, my Puerto Rican mother always makes corned beef and cabbage, right? And boiled it. potatoes. It was uh, my grandmother. She learned it from my grandmother and so on and so forth. It was just a thing. And just walking into the house on St. Patrick's Day and having it smell like corned beef, I was just like, oh my God, this is so specific of a memory. Um, and I love that food smells and even even like certain foods, at least for me, I can bring back, I can recall what it tastes like and what it smells like. Can you do that? Like, absolutely. Like, you know, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite food sense memory? Uh, my mom's caramel rolls. Caramel rolls. What is a oh, caramel yeah. roll? So it, it's just like a regular cinnamon roll, but on the bottom it's caramel and sometimes pecans. Then you place the the rolls on top of that, let them proof again, bake them, and then you flip the whole thing over. Oh, so like flan, know, like flan, like you do with flan. Yep. It, it over just like a flan, but so it, they also call them sticky buns, and um, they go by many different names. But it's, it's yes, cool. I uh, they used to call me sticky buns at one point too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh, that is a story for another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It could be a story for now, but this isn't about me. This is about you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm flush now. In your mouth, listeners, Sarah almost fell out her chair. I wish you could have seen it. <laughs> I need a fan. Oh, my God. Uh, it's not summer yet, girl. It is not no. summer yet. All right. So... You know, you you have this fascination with your mom's cooking, the the sticky buns, right, or the caramel rolls, as we will call them, <laughs> to be PC about it. 
are are really like you know um, just fostering this passion. Do you remember what the first thing you made was? The first thing I made by myself were chocolate chip cookies. Oh, packaged chocolate chip cookies or chocolate chip cookies from scratch? Honey, when I was young, they didn't have packaged chocolate chip cookies. There was that wasn't a thing. Oh, oh. Okay. At least in our small little town. So yeah, everything was from scratch. I crawled up on the countertops and pulled the flour and the sugar and all the ingredients down and yeah, really that's how I learned my fractions. Yeah. Well, you know what? What I've never actually thought about it, but like, yeah, what a great way to learn math, right? Like, for, Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure there's homeschool. Shout out to all the homeschooling moms out there, but um, uh, teaching their kids how, math through ba- uh, through baking. Uh, yeah. Hello, like why haven't like why haven't ever thought of that? <laughs> it's probably because I don't have kids and I'm really bad at math. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I remember I did an interview the other day and someone asked me what the first thing I made was as well and. I remember making box cakes and I go, but my first foray into cooking was actually Emerald Lagasse's butternut squash gnocchi. That is quite the foray. And yeah, I just, and it's been the story of my life ever since is that like anything that I've taught myself how to cook, it's always like the most grandiose thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's no problem. And then I end up crying (laughs) over it and... And it ends up working out somehow. But yeah, but I remember watching him on television being like, oh my God, this butternut squash gnocchi looks so good in a brown butter sage sauce. And back then, I didn't realize I didn't like butternut squash. I love it now. But back then, I didn't realize I didn't like it. And so I all day long flour all over my mother's kitchen. Um, But yeah. So uh, yeah, these memories, and now you're taking me down memory lane as well. So fine. You're on this road, you love cooking, and then all of a sudden, you are on this road to being a business consultant. What brought you, what brought you through this business consulting back to cooking? So the, the business consulting actually came out of necessity because I needed to work from home to be a parent and to be able to be married. So this was, this is, I left my big corporate job to start my own consulting firm, um, and throughout that, since I've been working from home, my wife's a nurse, and I always made a point that every time, every day that I'm home, I make sure that I get up with her and I cook all of her food for the day. And I send her to work with enough food for the full 12-hour days. Many times she doesn't get to eat it, but at least she has it. And so during Christmas break, I had some time off of work, and I was just playing around with the time-lapse uh, function on my camera and on my iPhone. I recorded a video and I threw it on TikTok. I thought the name My Butch Kitchen just sounded fun and it was descriptive of myself, of course. And I threw it on there and the response that I got was incredible. I I didn't expect, you know, what what happened. Um, all of these people started asking me questions and it was a very organic experience. They would ask ask me questions, so I'd make a video in response. And then people would ask more questions. I got to the point where I could do a live, started cooking on lives, and it's just grown from there. It's It's been an absolutely wild journey. So it's been um, on the 21st of this month, it'll be three months since I started my Butch Kitchen. Wow, wow. All these, 
I, you know what? Every time I hear a story like this, and it, which is so amazing, because you shine so well, and you obviously know your way around the kitchen, and you're very talented. Um, but every time I hear one of these stories, it always makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm like, I'm not doing enough. All these people are doing all these amazing things while having all these amazing jobs, you know? Um, and it's incredible. You, Grossy Pelosi, um, my gay bartender, all of you just killing it in this game. And I love that your wife is a nurse. Shout out to all the nurses out there, especially your wife. Talk to me about your family. Tell, tell me about the beauty of your family for a minute. I am I am blessed beyond belief, but um, my beautiful wife, Rachel, she is a nurse. Uh, she's a mom baby nurse up at the hospital here in Des Moines, uh, the, the largest hospital in Des Moines. Um, we have together um, four beautiful children. So I have three bonus kids. Four uh, children? Four children. So yes. is 26. She's married. We have one grandchild with another grandchild on the way. We have a 20-year-old who has finished um, a welding program. She's a full-time welder. Our son turns 18 in two weeks. He graduates from high school in May. And then my little girl, um, it, she turns 10 on the 25th. Stunning. Wow. You, you really run the range here. That, how incredible. How incredible and yeah. how beautiful. You just reminded me of a Golden Girls quote. My son married a welder. Too bad she couldn't weld his zipper shut. They have 10 kids he can't, <laughs> they can't afford. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really cool profession. And I'm super proud of all of our kids. They're all wonderful people. Yeah, I mean, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Talk to me about the journey getting there because I often say that it's important to to the listener because we never know who's listening um, to see us shine in different ways and, and our stories, right, are unique to each one of us and yours is so unique and so beautiful. What was the journey like getting there to marriage, to raising these kids and and what was it like before you got there? You know, it's it's been a long road. I came out when I was 18 years old in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. You know, I did not come out until I left for college. And I knew that, that I mean, I grew up with an amazing family. I've, I've never had any issues. My mom is a fierce, fierce woman. She's only five foot tall, but nobody gets in mom's way. She oh, is yeah. the matriarch of all matriarchs. But the concern in regards to like, how the rural community would deal with me being gay. It was a real concern and it was, it was scary. You know, I was gay in the nineties. I saw what happened. I have been in the clubs when people have thrown bricks through the wall. I have been in the clubs when people, uh, when uh, skinheads would come in with billy clubs and bats. I've had to run to my car. You know, I have, I have, been there and seen things that I don't want my mom to know about. You know, it, it's it, and it's things that when I hear about the violence, but you know, like what you were speaking about, it just it just really gets inside of me, and it just makes me wonder where have those thirty years gone, and why aren't we better than that? You know, so but I I was lucky. You know, I was able to get the education. I was able to land that good job. I was able to make decisions for myself. You know, I had that, I had that opportunity. You know, I've got a master's degree. I was able to do that. So 
I'm one of the lucky ones, but I will tell you, and I'll tell all of your listeners, you know, especially the younger ones, when they say, when they say it gets better, that's not a lie. I'm 41. I'll be 42 in May. And my life has never been better. Yes, yes. I just turned 40. And I, I also say, you know, it's really weird turning uh, like, you know, a milestone birthday in a pandemic. And I've, I've never felt better. I've never been busier. I've never been like so like secure in who I am and, and what is happening in the world around me, like just letting things go and trying, you know, and just, and navigating and navigating through my life and, and making clear decisions and smart decisions. And, and yeah, it was a long journey there. And thank you for sharing that because it's also why at least myself, um, being a year or two younger than you, um, found it important right through the late nineties to go to the marriage protests, been going to protest all my life. Right. Granted, I haven't necessarily had the experience you had, but it's important to hear and it's important to see that this is this is not over. Things have yeah. not changed. No. Things have not changed. Right? Things are real shitty. We can say it. Shitty. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But there are certain things we have control over. Um, and there's certain ways we can navigate. And if you're and if you're in a bad situation out there, right? And like you may have to stick it through a little longer, right? But there, there's ways out. There's ways through, you know? And seeing people like you shine, right, is important to see. You know, it, I've, I've done a couple of videos about this in regards to the terminology. Um, people, because, you know, with my name, My Butch Kitchen, you know, I put it out there. It's yeah. like that Eminem song, tell me something that they don't know about me, you know? Yeah. like you know, throw it out there and be visible. I've had so many uh, private messages, emails and whatnot from uh, people, folks who are just coming out, young but butch women who are just like, oh my gosh, seeing you out here and being so proud of who you are makes me feel better about who I, makes me know that it's okay to be me. And visibility matters. Like we've been hearing this for the, the past year. It's, it's kind of become a, uh, you know, a, a theme of sorts, you know, visibility, get out there. And that's why I feel, you know, part of my responsibility with my butch kitchen is not just to help teach people to cook, but to also be visible and be that force to stand up for those who don't yet have their voice. Yeah. Well, Harvey, Harvey Milk said it, um, Years and years ago, out into the streets, let come out, come out of the closet into the streets because once they know who you are, mm-hmm. right, and they know that uh, you're their friends, their neighbors, and so on and so forth. There's no, there's no assumptions to be made because they know you, and it doesn't Correct. really change anything. And so, um, talking about speaking on it and visibility, you actually recently posted a TikTok about the word butch. And I want you just to speak on it for the kids out here in case they did, they missed it on TikTok because uh, it seemed like you were getting a little bit of flack for using the word butch. Yeah, frequently I am asked about, oh, butch, that's a, that's a negative term. No, butch means masculine in appearance, masculine in action. That fits me to a T. You know, societal societal norms have tried to put females particularly in a box. And guess what, honey? I am masculine in appearance. I am masculine in action. 
I am butch and I am okay with that. You know, for lack of a better phrase, screw the societal norms and I am who I am. Like what's it, what's it matter? Yeah. Yeah. Hello. You know, who's not butch me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honey, they put you in a different box. (laughs) Uh, Honey, no one can put me in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, plus this COVID weight, I wouldn't even fit in one if I tried, (laughs) but I just learned what a chapstick lesbian was uh, last week, too. So um, I feel like uh, that's where I fall in the grand of things. You know, a, a little pretty on the outside, rough on the inside. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so my, my definition is just tomboy leveled up. Yes, we love a level up here on In Yo Mouth. This is so much fun. I, I'm, I'm living, laughing, loving every minute of this, but I think now would be a great moment to take a little pause and introduce Sarah to my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast. Are you ready, Sarah, for a little oh, something we like to call Food News Update? Food News, Food news. Ooh, honey. You ain't red, girl. Spill the tea. News. Toronto restaurant naming menu after office supplies so you can expense your meals. That's brilliant. That's the business owner. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And also illegal. So please do not expense your stapler burger. And blame uh, and blame me for it, okay? <laughs> the IRS, you did not hear me say that. Right, exactly. But it is hysterical. This is from blog2.com, whatever that is. But, um, but thank you, Blog2. So, Sarah, a local Toronto restaurant is making things easier for those looking to expense lunch by naming various menu items after office supplies. Good Fortune Burger has begun offering receipts, R-E-C, Eats, get it? Receipts. Their name, their renamed menu items disguised as a number of common office tools. Their fortune burger has become the basic steel stapler, and parm fries are also known as CPU wireless mouse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's pretty brilliant, if, if I do say so myself. If nothing else, the marketing wins. I mean, honestly, uh, we wanted an opportunity to put a smile on some people's faces and have them have a little bit of a giggle, says John Purdy, director of operations at Good Fortune Burger. While most people have found the redesigned menu as entertaining as intended, a few have raised concerns on how this could get employees who attempt to expense the menu in trouble. There's no malice intended in it. It's all just fun and games, Purdy continued. Isn't that? It's brilliant marketing. It really is. You can order these sneaky snacks yourself through Uber Eats and DoorDash from Good Fortune Burgers, John and College locations. But this is Toronto-based, so shout out to all the Canadian listeners out there. I mean, so we have a wireless mouse fries and, you know, a stapler burger. I, I You know what? I, I would want, like, the the chicken fingers to be like the Rolodex. Remember Rolodexes? Oh, my gosh, yes. Right? Uh, my parents still have one. Oh my god! Um, my mom still has one of these. We were cleaning up, and my mom still has one of those like old school address books where everything's tabbed out and oh and gosh. like yeah. I was like, oh my god, 
who uses this anymore, but yep, she still does. Oh, wow. Everything. Uh, yeah, a Rolodex, like chicken fingers and, um, you know, a mimeograph, like, you know, chicken burger <laughs> something. <laughs> It has to be. I think the the humor in it all is it is all in really old, um, you know, office supplies like mimeographs and um, carbon micro paper and- carbon paper, micro sheets, right? Or microfiche, microfiche, yeah, remember? microfiche, micro, right? Is that the one you used to smell? Which was the one you used to smell at I- the? Because it used to come out hot. Do you remember that? Yeah. Re- so that would be that would be the. I think that was printing off of the microfiche. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm having flashbacks to high school libraries. Right, and uh, with the um, or with the projector with the uh, with the clear sheet that you'd write on, yeah. and it would project the thing. <laughs> the overhead projectors. Yep. Yeah. 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 A uh, television on wheels is like the Happy Meal or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good fortune, Burger. It seems that um, Sarah and I are here for this. And if you want to ship some across the border, because we can't travel to you yet, um, we would gladly take it. Absolutely. Seafood fraud is wildly rampant, says new report. Have you heard of this? Seafood fraud? Yeah, no. so this is from Food and Wine magazine. Combining dozens of studies, The Guardian found over a third of seafood products were mislabeled. How do you mislabel seafood? I, I don't understand. Um, no matter how often research shows that the seafood industry is overrun with fraud, we can't seem to get the issue under control, says Food and Wine magazine. The, this problem has been thoroughly documented, whether it's a local, a 2017 study that found half of Los Angeles sushi wasn't what it was supposed to be, and a 2018 study that over a quarter of New York supermarket fish was mislabeled, or global reports from Oceana found about a fifth of all seafood globally and in the United States respectively were mislabeled. And yet, despite government action and the promise of technical solutions like detectors and databases, it's not getting better. Isn't that well, this, crazy? This report seems fishy to me. <laughs> no. No, ma'am. No. <laughs> Sorry, I do I not accept. To. I do not accept. <laughs> I mean, it's food and wine. We can trust food and wine magazine and The Guardian, right? I oh, mean, for sure. Yeah, I, I, just, I just had to be punny. I, I mean, I, of course you did. Of the thirty of the countries included, the United States was the third worst, with thirty eight percent of seafood mislabeled, behind only the United Kingdom and Canada, both of which had an appalling fifty five percent mislabeling rate. That's, that's that's bananas. That really uh, this blew my mind. You know, that's wild. I, yeah. It's um, a third of the restaurants had sold mislabeled seafood with the odds of some menu items being authentic equal to a coin toss. A while ago uh, on Food News Update, uh, many moons ago, we did this report on, on how restaurants were using pig anus as a substitute for calamari. I, if, if your listeners can see, my, my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> that's, a, that's unbelievable. You know? Um, I, so... Yeah, it's crazy. I now this makes 
I mean, are the shrimp I'm getting not shrimp? What what are they? Like, is it is it just a simple case of like instead of mahi mahi you're getting cod or is it like yeah it's it's more with the simple fish says this I mean we can go on and on in this uh, um, no, nor are fish always deliberately misabled although a huge majority of substitutions involved lower priced fish replacing higher priced ones indicating fraud rather than carelessness yes is what the Guardian says the you almighty know? dollar yep. Um, it's, yeah, still the big takeaway from the Guardian's report is something anyone who has been following this issue probably already guessed. Seafood fraud is a problem nearly as vast as the ocean and proving especially difficult to navigate. Who knew? I would have never thought about whether the fish that I'm purchasing is actually correct. You know, since I'm not a deep sea fisherman or, you know. Like, no, do you no make idea. a lot of fish? Are you a big fish eater? I, I do love fish. Um, and but, that's not a lesbian joke. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I do love some fish tacos. Oh, but, yes. uh, Here we go. Here we go. But no, it's, but the, the fish that we get in Iowa, you know, it's, you're at the mercy of, you know, the count, you know, the person behind the counter, yeah. you know, as to the freshness of it and whatnot. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more of a, bacon and steak kind of girl, but I, I do, you know, when I can find it and I do love to go out for sushi. Now it just makes me wonder what I'm actually getting. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, when I, when I buy fish, if I buy fish, there's a, a fish market near me that has been in this midtown neighborhood of Manhattan for a long time that I go to. And, you know, something I've never understood, and maybe you can explain this to me. Right. And I know a lot of chefs, out there too, but they always say if you walk into a fish market and it smells like fish, walk out because the fish isn't good. But what is it supposed to smell like? Because I walk into this fish market all the time, and you know what it smells like? Fish, <laughs> because there's fish like coming out of the walls. You know? Yeah, it's it's supposed to smell like the ocean. You know, the water of the ocean is is what it's supposed to. But and you know what the water of the constant- ocean smells like? Fish. <laughs> And you know, and you know what happens in the water of the ocean? Fish poop in it. <laughs> that those are all facts, yes. <laughs> but no, after after fish has been sitting around, it's you know what do they say? Uh, fish and relatives are only good for three days. Oh my god! <laughs> They're only good to be around for three days or something like that. There's some kind of thing. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> Welcome to Middle America. Oh my god. Oh my goodness! Well, you know what, in your mouth, listeners. Next time you go out to uh, to to shop for some cod or some mahi or maybe even some tuna or salmon, maybe you should uh, really inspect it to make sure it is what it is. Because I feel like Sarah and I are not here for some fish fraud. And finally, and uh, on a much more happy note, following best-selling success of Red Wine, Snoop Dogg launches new rosé with 19 crimes. That is amazing. I love Snoop Dogg. And I, I am love- so here for his friendship with Martha Stewart. I'm just yes. going to say it. Let's talk about it. I am all here for the friendship with Martha Stewart. I love that they show up on the, that show, or they used to. I don't know if it's still running. Um, high as a kite, <laughs> the oh, two of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and they just get going. And it is the best 
it, it, it's an incredible friendship that they have. Like it's a true friendship. And well, I'm so, it is so fun to watch. That and there's a lesson to be learned there because Martha, Martha being an affluent white woman and Snoop Dogg growing up the way he did, right? Martha will say some things to him and he'll be like, what? And he goes, no, we didn't have that up in the hood or we didn't like, and it's the juxtaposition of these two cultures, these two different ways of growing up, these, these two vastly different people coming together and learning from each other that I find actually really beautiful. And the, the dynamic is hysterical. Oh, gosh. I would love to sit down and eat, cook with them, eat with them, share a bottle of Snoop's wine with them. I am, that would be so much fun. Have you had this 19 Crimes wine? 19 Crimes, not a sponsor of this podcast yet, but uh, I'm a fan. I haven't had it yet. I do need to get, go out and get a bottle, though. I yeah. definitely need to try it. I don't, I don't know if they're still doing this, right? Uh, but you used to be able to hold up, like, the 19 Crimes app or whatnot and, like, the prisoner on the bottle. would It was like this gimmick that they ran that was like kind of cute uh, for a minute. But the wine is good. The wine is good. I, you know, it's, it's, it's very like affordable. And if you just want something to like have in the evening or, you know, for, for lunchtime, <laughs> if you're day drinking, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely try that. But just in time for summer, uh, the Hip Hop Superstars partnership with the wine brand 19 Crimes launched Snoop Cali Rosé, which is a blend of Grenache and Zinfandel with notes of fresh raspberries, strawberries, and red cherries. This is from the Daily News. We did it big with 19 Crimes Cali Red, so you know we had to do it again. And this time I was thinking pink, Snoop Dogg said in the announcement. I can't wait for everyone to sip on my Snoop Cali Rosé and bring those fresh feels from spring into summer and beyond. I hope when you open a bottle of this wine, you take a little mind trip to my Cali home. This is how we rosé the Snoop Dogg way. Yes, you hear the horns honk if you love Snoop Dogg Rosé. Right. <laughs> they love it too. Yes, you know what I was thinking, Sarah? I was thinking of Bow Wow Wow Yippee Yo Rosé, Bow Wow Yippee Yo Rosé. <laughs> right? Is that going to be the commercial? Nin 19 Crimes, give him a holler. He's yeah. got the lyrics. I, I got it. I got it down. Like, you know, I will, I will artistic direct, not that I need to, but I'll just be on set with the idea. <laughs> there you go. I, I think it's, a, it's an awesome idea. Uh, I'm here for it. And um, if you want to send us a bottle 19 Crimes, I am sure we are. Are you a wine drinker? I am. Okay, good. What's your preference? So I, I do like a, a dry red. Okay. A, a, a nice you know, dry red. Um, Heavy yeah, or light? I, heavy. Heavy, like, yeah, like a nice bowl yes, heavy red. Full-bodied, you know, just a great nose to it, nice and dry. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds like my last boyfriend, dry with a great nose. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what, where I was going with that. And with that, I think this is a great way to end Food News <laughs> Update. <laughs> Take that one to your nurse wife. You're going to be like, so honey, um, I just don't know what happened, but here's the food news that I learned today. <laughs> she's going to love it. I know she's stomping at the bit to, to hear how it all went. Um, that's great. Speaking of how it went, um, talk to me about this TikTok fame. What's been your like most popular kind of dish out there? 
So the first the first thing that I cooked that hit a million views was me simply baking bacon. It's baking I bacon. Just, baking bacon. So yeah. um, it's the only way to make bacon, bacon on the sheet tray. Absolutely. Yeah. So that hit a million views, and then recently. A taco pie recipe, something that my mom made the whole time I was growing up. It's, you know, just a just a homey feed the family type of dish. I think that's somewhere around 1.2, 1.3 million views as well. Wow. Well, excuse me. Let me pick up these numbers you just dropped. <laughs> you know, you have to remember I'm a business nerd. So, you know, numbers, you know, they, they just kind of stick in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's your most asked question? Uh, my most asked question is if I'm classically trained. Everybody wants to know how I got into cooking and if I'm actually a chef. All right. And your answer is? No, I'm, I'm not classically trained. Uh, I'm definitely just a home cook. You know, I, I say that my, my food aesthetic is, you know, pub food elevated, diner food elevated. Um, but I have a real passion for cooking. And, you know, I actually almost did, but i Tallied back and forth between going and getting my MBA or going to culinary school. MBA went out. Yeah, there's something to be said about being uh, home trained. Shout out to all the chefs who put in their hours and hours and hours, whether in school or came up through the kitchen from dishwasher to garmanger to head chef. Shout out to you all out there because that is a dedication that I will never will never know like i like that's that's something else but like i always say there's there's a different kind of fearlessness being home trained as opposed to the rigidness of you know this sauce has to be like this and this is the classical way to do this and and that has its place and is delicious in itself but like home trained people like you and me i think can stand out a little different just because it's like, well, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I'm not so steadfast and this is the way this needs to be because I'm just learning like you guys are learning out, like you folks, excuse me, are learning out there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm with you 100%. The the folks that have the classically trained chefs, I have the utmost respect for. Absolutely. You know, my my goal is to take what they do and all the hard work that they've put in and make it accessible to the home cook. Amen. So that more people get in the kitchen. A, a, men. Amen. You know, and some people, it's, it's surprising to me that some people out there just don't realize that like some of these things that you are doing out there that I'm doing out there that I see a lot of my new friends and my new family from this podcast doing out there, people are like, oh, I never knew this was that easy. Or, you know, it's like putting bacon on a tray and throwing it into uh, into the oven, right? Less yeah. mess, crispy bacon, <laughs> mind blown. And it's just like, well, yeah, this this is... This can be accessible. This can be fun. We can see... We can see cooking, right? Oh my God, to bring it all the way full circle, beyond its service as well, you know? Yeah. As, like we can find the joy in cooking. We can find, you know, shout out to you, Dr. J, the Zen and gratitude in cooking. We can find the love and the and the fun in cooking if we see it beyond its service and and not see it as this like major task. You know, not everything has to be, you know, crocombushes and beef wellingtons. Yeah. Good food doesn't have to be hard. 
Yes. But you know what? It has to be hard. <laughs> no one ice because cubes. Ice, cubes. ice cubes. Ice cubes. Ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I recently, you know what? You blew my mind too with the, with the ice cube, ice cube trick in the freezer. Even though, um, like I said, I live in 120 square feet, so I have a short and fat refrigerator. Not that I'm not that I'm body shaming my refrigerator here, right? She's she she's a she's a short, you know, plus size beauty queen is what she is. So I don't have a lot of freezer space, so I don't necessarily know if I can do that ice cube trick. But can you tell can you tell the people out there the ice cube trick? Yeah, so it's it's simply just a way to know if your freezer is going bad, if something's going wrong with the condenser. So I simply put an ice cube on just a, you know, you can put it on a plate. I put mine on a uh, lid of a cottage cheese container that I had laying around. Um, and if it melts, because I do travel a lot, if it melts, it'll freeze, you know, flat on there. And I will know that, that something happened and I should probably really take a, a close look at you know, what I have left in, in my freezer. Another good way is just to throw a penny on top, you know, freeze a shot glass of water, throw a penny on top. And, you know, if it gets to the bottom and then refreezes, you know that something happened as well. Oh, you know, it's that trick too that I never would have thought of if I had a normal size, you know, um, a, a different size to not shame my refrigerator now because yeah. <laughs> I'm on this track um, that I was like, I would have never thought of. And I was like, how brilliant is this? Like, oh my God. Like, yeah, that makes 100% like sense. And when I saw that video, I was like, wow, right? I, I'm obviously a fan. If you had one tip out there to give new cooks, um, people just starting out or people kind of wanting to hop on the adventure or the My Butch Kitchen train, what would that one tip be? If you're going to be chopping anything at all, make sure your knives are always sharp. There's nothing more dangerous than a dull knife. Yes, yes. There's nothing more dangerous than a dull knife or a dull date. Um, and That too. <laughs> Who's going on dates anymore? I'm all over the place today. Um, but <laughs> oh my god, this has been such a joy. Tell the kids what's next for you. So I actually just uh, before I came on, um, I just secured a date to be doing a cooking show for the MacArthur Library in Maine. So I'm going to be de- teaching teens and tweens. I'm going to be doing uh, what I'm calling three meals in a microwave. So I'm hoping to introduce. Um, some very simple uh, cooking practices to uh, these young people and hoping to, you know, get them, start getting them interested in cooking and start getting them to be a little bit more self-sufficient. I love that. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. And I hear you have a YouTube channel coming out as well. Yes, that's going to be launched tomorrow. So um, a little bit later today, I'll be recording my intro for that. And then I will be... uh, posting my first uh, video, uh, my first how-to full-length on YouTube on Saturday. That's incredible. Congrats. You're doing all the things, and it's really, really amazing. And you just reminded me of a final question I want to ask you here, because you're you're literally teaching the kids coming up soon, right? Um, Did your mom ever teach you, like, one important, like, kitchen rule? It's all about the cross-contamination. Make sure that your meat, you know, if you're using ground beef, if you're chopping, you know, meat, 
make sure you use a different cutting board and a different knife. Oh, you know, really? do not cross contaminate. That oh. is, that was always drilled into my head. No, not, not in my mom's Puerto Rican kitchen. We, we did things old school and everything was just everywhere clean, but it was just like this cutting board cuts everything, you know, because there wasn't room for like 40 cutting boards growing up either, Yeah, you know, um, but uh, just in teaching the kids, if I can it, impart something to you that my mom taught me was to clean as you go because I was a very messy cook. And now that I live in a very tiny space, there's no option. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, thank God my mother taught me to uh, clean as I go. Like, you know, you throw this in the pot, right? And that goes in the thing. And while you're waiting for this, you know, you might as well do these dishes, right? So that way it's not bigger. It's not a bigger mess. And you're not like creating like this ginormous mess and it doesn't feel so overwhelming, at the yes. end, you know, and and Rachel would would hope that I would take that advice as well. <laughs> Listen, I wrote a song about it. You gotta clean as it goes, so when the guests come, they'll never know. You gotta clean as you go and leave less mess for later on. Yeah, and then the dancing uh, boys come out. You gotta clean as it goes. <laughs> I love it. I can totally see it now. Right? It's a, it's a whole it's it's a whole show. <laughs> Next off Broadway. Uh listen, I I already went down that road. Maybe I'll go back one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, shout out to all the Broadway kids out there too that Broadway's been shut down for just over a year these days. My heart goes out to you. <clears throat> you know, um we hope you're surviving out there and thriving. We miss you, uh, and we can't wait to have you back um, because entertainment has definitely carried us through this pandemic, and we need those people um, to shine, yeah. and we need their creative souls. Oh, my God, this has been so great, and I loved connecting with you. Um, I was so excited to have you on, and I'm even more excited now that we've connected. So thank you so much for coming on and giving me of your time today. Can you please let everyone know where they can find you? Give them all the handles, the websites, the YouTube channel. Give them everything. Hey, everyone. So, number one, thank you for having me on. You can find me at My Butch Kitchen. That's my handle on Instagram, on YouTube, and uh, TikTok. And my website is MyButchKitchen.com. I mean, it couldn't be more simple. And I hear there's a, a little birdie told me that there's merch on the way. And you know she's a merch queen. So I love a good merch moment. Speaking of merch, right, uh, once you... Once you dive deep into the catalog of My Butch Kitchen and when she comes out with merch, buy all of that, you can find the In Your Mouth merch and go from fan, <clears throat> excuse me, and go from fan to super fan if you go to themunoz.com forward slash mouth merch. There's some new stuff. I know I've been promising new stuff, but there's new stuff coming. I just got to get on it. You know, there's, it's a lot. You know, I'm doing a lot these days. <laughs> and, and Sarah could attest, like, you know, yes. like uh, to be punny, there's a lot of there's a lot of hands and a lot of pots right now that you got to keep stirring things, you know, and it's yeah. not sometimes it's not easy. It's not easy, but you're nailing it, man. And so are you. So are you. And I can't thank you enough for being on here in your mouth, listeners. Um, what a great day it has been today. I need you to go out there and do something nice for somebody. You know, even if it's just saying, 
hi, how are you, to the Starbucks drive through people or, you know, going giving a little extra tip to the pizza delivery guy or, I don't know, just go out there and, you know what, spread a little kindness because it, it domino effects. And I really, really, truly believe that. This has been such a great day and such a great episode. And I want to take it a, a moment just to mention the One Star Podcast Network, right? Uh, you all know I'm part of a podcast network of niche food podcasts out there, right? There's about six or seven of us that we've all come together as a village, as a community to support each other, to push each other forward, right? To, you know, to let everybody know about us in different veins. And one podcast that's part of the podcast network is James Beard award-winning Copper and Heat. And they have just come out with their new trailer uh, called Pre-Shift. I want to play it for you now. It's a quick like 40 seconds. Why don't you take a listen and go support them if you love it. Take a listen right now. Working in restaurants has always been hard, but now it's even harder. PreShift is here to help you navigate the unique challenges that restaurant workers face, and have always faced, that are now made even worse by the pandemic. We've spent the last several months talking to experts so we could bring you a season with practical tips, tools, and resources. We got all sorts of tips for some of the trickiest work situations, from the challenges with interpersonal communication. Conflict is not a bad thing, first of all. I know we don't like to brag on ourselves, but that is exactly what you're doing when you're negotiating a salary. Feedback is so tough in the service industry because it's so fast paced. To advocacy and collective action. Because it has gotten so, so bad, you have to speak up. To me, privilege is having access to something that is not readily available to everyone else. Equity is fairness. Equality is, 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 is equal portions. All the way to striking out on your own. And what I want to encourage young entrepreneurs or freelancers or whatever is like... Rules are good, they're great for structure, and what I tend to do with them, like recipes, is look at them and choose what works for me. It's really about understanding your value system and your own purpose. Pre-Shift by Copper and Heat. Subscribe now in your favorite podcast app. Wasn't that great? Oh my God, go show them all the love too. They're amazing out there. Shout out to you, Copper and Heat. You're doing all the things. They're also supporting me in the same way. Um, And like I said, you know, it goes on with that paying it forward. It takes a village. And with that, I'm just going to leave you with saying thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. 
They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.